Welcome back to another episode of the Test Studio Times podcast with your hosts, Sam Ostry and Ben Dixon. Ben, how are you? Doing well, Sam. Doing well. All right. We have a lot to get to today. Obviously, we're going to talk about Maryland and Indiana and that close win that Maryland pulled off um, as they moved to five and two on the year. And then we're going to preview a full Northwestern game coming up this weekend before Maryland heads into the bye week, a late bye week. They'll, they'll be heading to the bye week after playing eight games with four games remaining on the other side. So we'll get into a full preview of that. But the only place to start right now is Talia Tagovailoa's health. Uh, Maryland's starting quarterback who went down in the fourth quarter against the game against Indiana and was carted off um, with the knee injury. And it looked bad. Obviously, every Maryland fan and every Maryland player and coach on that sideline was holding their breath, hoping it wasn't something catastrophic, but it looked bad. He had to be carted off. It was a contact injury. um, And everyone kind of just waited for the next two days to see what it would be. Like, was he getting an MRI? And he did. And we found out yesterday he got an MRI. There's no structural damage, so no torn ACL, nothing too serious. So Maryland really avoided a serious scare there. But um, he re-aggravated a previous knee injury that he suffered against Michigan, where he has a sprained MCL. So he's been playing with a brace on the last few weeks because of that sprained MCL. And Loxley noted that he really doesn't want to be playing with a brace at all. But the medical staff said insisted the, that he has to because of that injury. Um, so he just re-aggravated that injury. That's what the, the test showed. And so Maryland avoided a serious, serious scare, Ben. Yeah, and Loxley was thankful he was wearing that knee brace. It looked really bad at first just because he got carted off. And I rewatched the play a couple of times and I was kind of thinking to myself, look, he already had the brace on his knee. We didn't know, to my knowledge, that it was a sprained MCL when it first happened against Michigan. We just knew that he was banged up. It was just a knee injury, they said. Just Just a knee injury. And him being carted off is the scariest of scariest of signs. All all due respect to, you know, all the other quarterbacks and Billy Edwards on the roster, but this team's going to go as far as Talia takes it. And it was scary. If if he's done for the year, your season is effectively – don't want to say over, but it loses pretty much all excitement it had going to the year because this is the best team that Lox has had. We've seen it with this five and two record. And, you know, next year's team is not going to be the same unless they, you know, get a, a massive coup from the transfer portal. So the fact that Talia Tugavailoe avoided the most serious, the worst case scenario is just such a blessing for Terps fans. I think I think Maryland fans are just not Terps fans, Terps fans and the, the program. But I was going to say Maryland fans are just spooked from the general quarterback history that has happened in the last decade or so with this or uh, this program, excuse me. I mean, they had a linebacker start at QB 10 years ago or something. Sean Petty, I, I forget the exact year. But I mean, that that is the worst case scenario. And Maryland fans brace themselves for the worst. Anytime something scary like this happens, um, scary like this happens, excuse me. So Maryland fans, very thankful. Maryland football program, very thankful that Talia is going to be okay. He practiced yesterday, Sam. Uh, both Neither you or I could make the practice, but Emmett said he was looking – 100 not 100 percent out there wasn't ready to call that shot yet but he was taking first team reps um still had that brace on his knee but he was moving fine and yeah. you know see what happens this saturday but and it should be it should be noted it should be noted that after that michigan game where he originally has that got that sprained mcl he played the next week and played really well and we kind of that's when we started seeing the brace but it really didn't impact his play um, from the outside, maybe he he wishes he wasn't wearing it, but it really didn't have too much of an impact on how he played. And he played well um, that next week after turning on MCL. I don't know if like we're not doctors here, so I don't know if like the the sprained MCL if you if you re-aggravate it, like if he hurt it the first time and now he hurts it the second time, maybe it's worse and now it's more susceptible to a serious injury. I don't know how that works exactly. I don't know if that's going to play into the factor. But the 
in, into the into whether he's going to play or not. But the fact that he's he avoided a serious injury, and like you said, there's been a long history of some serious injuries that's gone down for Maryland quarterbacks, Maryland players as a whole. Like you look back back to the wide receiving core last year, just just Sean Jones and Dante Demas with season-ending knee injuries. Um, this is the first time it feels like that Maryland got positive injury news um, in a really long time. And, and a lot of people were scared, like, of, of course, reasonably so. But when you look back at the play, most non-contact, most ACL injuries are from non-contact. So, and of course, everyone jumped immediately when you have a knee injury. It's ACL, ACL. That's what you're thinking because you're, you're prepping for the worst. But most ACL injuries and tears are non-contact. And this was a contact. It was kind of just a, a freak play in Indiana lineman. Just kind of fell into his knee and it, and it bent weirdly. Um, but so he, he it's, it's a blessing, like you said, for Maryland fans. And, and they avoided a real scare. Avoided a real scare, Sam. And we have to talk about the timing, just looking at the schedule. Uh, maybe Maryland football wasn't thrilled that the bye week was so late in the schedule uh, as, it, as it is right now. But it is such another blessing right now. You're playing the worst team in the Big Ten by far in Northwestern. They haven't won since week zero when they beat Nebraska, which kind of spiraled Scott Frost's tenure there. Um, and the bye week is next week. So to lead talk about love, Maryland is most likely fine if he doesn't play this week. Obviously, a game time decision, like Loxley mentioned. And we'll kind of get into the, you know, the nooks and crannies about this game this weekend. But the timing of this injury, not that there's any you know, good timing necessarily for an injury. But this is something that I think Maryland football can appreciate, even if they aren't going to go out there and say it, because Northwestern is a bad, bad team. And you couple that with the bye week before, you know, the gauntlet of the schedule really picks up there in November. It's it's really good timing for this to happen. For, uh, you know, there's never a good time. Like I yeah, said. yeah, of course, there's obviously there's never a good time for it to happen. But you're absolutely right that if it was going to happen any time, this is the time. Um, I don't know if that's going to play into the factor like you asked. Loxley and of course he's great with the he's great with the media and 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 saying the diplomatic thing to say so he's going to say we turn on that Northwestern tape and that's a great team it doesn't really play into the decision at all but the reality is that um when you might have two weeks to rest and you're playing the easiest the not the easiest the worst Big Ten team that you're going to play this season in Northwestern and then he's going to have two weeks two weeks to rest because of the bye week there's it just has to play into the decision of whether he's going to play or not. Um, you know, he, like you said, like, it's really hard to know. He's a game time decision. I really think they mean that. Like they don't, they're not going to know until later in this week, whether he's going to play based on how he's feeling, how he's progressing. But the fact that he's capable of taking first team reps is a good sign and, and could be like, all right, yeah, he's, he's probably, or maybe he might be ready to go. But at the same time, it's just like, why? I mean, I get why you risk it. Cause every game is, is crucial the rest, like the rest of the way. And this one could, would make you bowl eligible before you even hit November, which is a huge accomplishment for this program or would be, but at the same time, it's like, why even put him out there and risk it after two scares in, in really the last four weeks with his knee, it's like, give him two weeks to rest. We'll come back after the bye, probably feeling maybe not a hundred percent, but that, that he'll be feeling much better and I, I just, I don't think, if I had to predict right now, it's really 50-50, I think. But I would say he's probably not going to play. Right, I would say it's 50-50 as well. I think if Maryland loses this game, even without him, the team has, has bigger problems than that. Um, but yeah, you, you make some good points there, Sam. Uh, I, I would rest him as well. Uh, don't play him against Northwestern. Give him the bye week two weeks off before Wisconsin. But obviously, that's not up to us. I agree with you. I think it is 50-50. There is a reason why he's taking first-team reps, as he always has. 
Um, so we will see. Uh, yeah, and, know, it's, and it's interesting that it's interesting that they say in general the backup quarterback, or Loxley said in general the backup quarterback on any given week takes forty percent um, of those of those quarterback reps, and and the starter gets the other sixty percent. So, um, so I mean that's just the natural. That's just like that's just how they do it, and and I guess that prepares Billy Edwards anyway. And and maybe maybe it's it'll be more fifty fifty this week. We were only at, or there was only available practice for thirty minutes. And wasn't a lot going on, so we don't really know. But maybe it'll be more fifty-fifty. Maybe that sixty-forty will be slipped or flipped. But nevertheless, both guys will be getting a substantial amount of reps in practice this week. I'm sure. Without a doubt, uh, I think we can almost guarantee that, given the fact that he's a game-time decision, the situation of Tugavella, and the fact that the team is pretty confident in Billy Edwards as well. And you know, he didn't complete a pass against Indiana. He had a great two-minute drill against Michigan earlier in the season. Um, not not sure how much how heavily that should be taken into account, but the team is confident in him, and and you know he he's a guy that can probably win you a game against Northwestern as well. Yeah, let's talk about Billy Edwards because he very well very well may be the starting quarterback come this weekend. Um, so he's he's he was the backup quarterback. They brought him here this past offseason, a transfer from Wake Forest, a redshirt freshman, and they have a lot of confidence in him. Um, you know, it's kind of a weird comparison, but Loxley compared him to Andy Dalton, um, back when Andy Dalton was at TCU, I believe. Um, and I, I like, yeah, they do look alike. I don't really yeah. see the comparison other than that. He gave a Mac Jones one too, supposedly Billy told us this morning. So maybe they look alike too. Not, not who really. gave him a Mac Jones one? Uh, Loxley, not, 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 not in front of the media, but that's, that's what Billy said this morning. Oh really? Okay. That, right, I mean, sorry that, that, for interrupting. Honestly, honestly, I could see Matt, the Mac Jones in terms of play style a right. little bit more. Um, but yeah, so the only action he's got this year is he came in that last drive when Talia was a little banged up, presumably with this knee injury against Michigan um, earlier in the season. The game was over. Maryland trailed by two scores at that point, but um, he did lead lead a very nice drive down the field, and he did complete a bunch of passes, including and marched them all the way down for a touchdown. So he, he that was an impressive drive that he put together. Um, there was jokes, obviously, that Billy Edwards should be playing over Talia. Obviously, there's no no uh, validity to that, but it was just some some Maryland fans joking around after that nice drive. But then he comes in last week, and yeah, he doesn't complete a pass. He's 0 for 3, but he has five rushing attempts for 53 yards. Um, he is a very mobile quarterback, not in the same way that Talia is, escaping the pocket and kind of moving the pocket, but he is capable of making things happen with his legs. I think the game plan might be tailored to that a little more if he's the starter this week. But there's reason to be confident with as Billy Edwards coming in, especially against Northwestern. Yeah, really shifty guy. Uh, not not a you know head to head comparison, but I was mentioning it. it kind of some flashes of a Taysom Hill type guy, where he was just scooting through the defense and was getting anything he wanted in the drown game Saturday. But yeah, Loxley did mention yesterday that him and Talia are probably more similar than people think, and the fact that they're both throwers. Obviously, Billy did not complete a pass. He was over three against Indiana. We saw a little bit of what he could do against Michigan, like I mentioned earlier. But this team is confident in Billy, as they I think they should be against Northwestern. And, you know, we haven't seen much of him yet. The redshirt freshman hasn't had really extended playing time other than that Indiana game where he was thrown into the fire, and I think it was more of a managing game type situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but now if he, if he gets this, this week of prep and he does end up being the starter, we are going to see the Billy Edwards game plan. And we don't really know what that looks like at this point. And it's, it's, it's a little bit exciting, honestly. I, uh, I think knowing that tug of is not going to be out for the year. If he doesn't play this week in all likelihood, he will be back against Wisconsin. I think there is some excitement around Billy Edwards heading into this game. If he does play, 
because this guy could be the future QB. If, yeah, well, that's the other thing. It's like no one really knows Talia's status for next year. So it's it's like he's, this is a chance to prove himself. Like, does Maryland need to go out and get another quarterback um, if Talia leaves, or or would Billy Edwards be the guy? Um, but I do also think it's important to say that, you know, that Maryland didn't have this game controlled when then Talia got when Talia got injured at all. It was a very close game throughout, and like it's not like oh yeah, Talia went out and Maryland was up. Billy Edwards just had to not not really make a mistake or not make mistakes, and then kind of just let the team win the game you know this was a very close game that could have gone either way easily and Maryland's offense as a whole but Billy Edwards behind center of course led the way and kind of led them to victory right it was it was him it was you know all Roman Hemby as well I I think the team had a good plan for him when he came in the game didn't really feel overwhelmed at all uh, in my opinion just felt like he had had good control of the offense and maybe it was those 40 percent of reps that he's taking in practice that helped him for that moment but I think this guy's clearly got some talent, and there's going to be a lot to see this Saturday if he does get the start. Yeah, I, you know, obviously you everyone wishes Tilly was out there, but it, it is exciting in some regards. And just in terms of the game plan that you brought up a little earlier in terms of how it's tailored, um, I think you do have to rely a lot more on the offensive line and the run game to kind of push you through. Um, you know, you want to make it as simple as a game plan as possible for a backup quarterback coming in a big spot like that like he he would be this weekend if he's the starter. Um, so you really don't want to complicate things too much in a way that not that their offense is, is very complicated, but Talia will take more, more shots down the field. Um, he'll find, maybe find his tight ends a little more, but you, you really want to establish the run game and establish it early. And the offensive line has done a great job in the run game. And you're lucky now that you have not lucky. I mean, it's, it's because you've recruited these guys, but you have successful running backs that you can rely on. Like you're comfortable handing the ball off to Roman Hemby um, and, and to get a six yard gain or explode for a big, big gain. Antoine Littleton, he struggled a little bit as of late, especially in some short yardage situations, but I still think they trust Antoine Littleton to come in. Even Ramon Brown and Kobe McDonald, like they're going to rely on that run game and Billy Edwards is a runner as well. So that's what makes it difficult for the defense, but they're really going to rely on that run game and try to make the game easier for Billy. Right. Hopefully Jalen Duncan's back after dealing with a family emergency. He's expected to be. He was at practice. He was at practice yesterday. I hope everything's good with him and his family. Um, but yeah, Roman Hemby, the guy's turned into a star of sorts. He's he's on the the athletic midseason freshman All-American team, him alongside Jay Sean Barham, which is amazing enough that the Terps have not one but two freshmen on that list, a national list. Um, you mentioned the other backs. I think Antoine Littleton will get going a little bit. I think some of the short yardage play calls, I was talking about this with Emmett and yourself, Sam, um, I think it, some of it's a result of the play calling when you line up in, in pistol and Antoine's right in the game, you know you're handing him the ball on third and one. I think the defenses know that's coming at this point. Um, so they'll get him going. Um, Ramon Brown still waiting for, you know, his breakout game as a freshman. Might not be this year, but we'll see. And then Colby McDonald's, of course, has, has shown flashes uh, last year and then this year as well. So you, you feel good about your run game. If Duncan's back, you feel good about your offensive line. And, you know, maybe run to open up the pass for Billy. Billy can use his legs like like you said. Um, there's a lot of options going into this game against a Northwestern team that has the 12th best scoring defense in the Big Ten. That's third worst for those at home. Um, so th- there's got to be a level of confidence in Billy Ortelia this Saturday. And, and I think the Terps, as long as they're healthy on that offensive line and, and skill position players, will, will have what it takes for Billy to succeed if he plays. Yeah. So let's talk about the, um, just going back to the Indiana game real quick before we go full head of steam into Northwestern. Um, you know, the defense 
kind of an up and down performance. They gave up 33 points overall, but only three points in the first and third quarters. Three in the first, three in the in the third. Um, which is th- the third quarter defense coming out of halftime has been phenomenal all year. You know, what's kind of the bright spot that you've seen from this defense in this game, and just kind of as the years gone on. I think you got to start with the the interception uh, to start both halves. Uh, Tarib Stone in the first, Deontay Banks in the second. It's it's amazing these second half adjustments. It, it's it hasn't been nearly you know as bona fide as we saw earlier this month and and later September. But to give up only three points in the third quarter after giving up fourteen in the second, those are adjustments there. Yes, you gave up thirteen in the fourth, but one of those was kind of a meaningless touchdown down the stretch. And this defense is playing shorthanded, right? Jacorian Bennett didn't play last game. I think Gavin Gibson was unavailable. Glendon Miller, another another safety nickel guy has been out for pretty much the whole year since that that first or second game as well. Ruben Hippolyte not playing. Uh, just, just a lot of pieces missing on this defense, and it's kind of been that next man up sort of mentality. Obviously, we've talked about it on offense, but the defensive side of the ball, injecting new life. Um, I, I think the officiating on Saturday was once again terrible. We can get in that, uh, in, into that a little bit again, but they had one pass interference on Tarheeb still in the second half, which was absolutely asinine. This defense is just playing hard. I, I can't tell you what the exact adjustments are in, in the locker room because obviously we're not there. But there there's a new juice in the start of the second half that we've seen pretty much every game this season, and, and it's amazing to see. This defense has a lot of talent. It's coming together. Um, kind of different pieces last week, like I mentioned, uh, more of a, a patchwork defense with some injuries. But you have to be impressed just with the way they're, they're starting second halves. So I think that's the one thing that has just continuously stuck out to me. Yeah, and if they can can I it's obviously it's more harder it's harder to defend in the first half just because the offenses are completely scripted and they kind of know more what they're doing and they're kind of it's more on the fly in the second half so it's easier to defend. But their adjustments at halftime, like you said, have really been phenomenal. And Brian Williams, defensive coordinator, deserves a ton of credit for that. Um, you know, his first year as the sole defensive coordinator, Loxie promoted him at the end at the end of last season, right before that Rutgers game, which was the last game of the year last regular season game of the year. But the real thing for me is is the takeaways and the turnovers. Um, This was a team that, since Loxie came here before this year, really, really struggled to force turnovers and kind of create extra possessions for the offense. They even struggled, struggled through the first few games of this year. They've completely shifted that. I don't know if it's the turnover circuits they, they do at practice, which they've been doing for years. I don't know if it's a mindset. Um, Maybe it's just they have way more talent. This is the most talented secondary maybe they've had in years and they've had some surprise guys even um maybe not surprise but even a guy like Deontay Banks who had an interception against Indiana um he he stepped up in a huge role Dante Trader Jr. Tarheeb still obviously he he had an interception against Indiana and then Jacorian Bennett who's probably the premier cornerback back there just a quick update on him he didn't play against Indiana he's we don't know exactly why but he's apparently a little banged up his status, like most people, like everyone who's injured for Maryland right now, is will be a game-time decision for Northwestern, so we won't know exactly. But it's really the turnovers for me, and, and that's that's what's been the key this year. I mean, they, they had a shot. They beat Indiana because of the turnover margin. They had a shot to beat Purdue, and they really should have. We don't have to talk about that game anymore. But they really should have beat Purdue because of the turnover battle. Um, the turnover margin. It's been just phenomenal how they've been able to force these teams into turnovers. That starts with their secondary getting interceptions, and it's creating opportunities for the offense. Because you have an electric offense. The more you can give the ball back to the offense, the better it's going to be. Obviously, it didn't work out in that third quarter against against Purdue, but in general, 
Um, it's it, the, the turnover, the turnovers and how they've been able to create them when that's something they really struggled with in the past has probably been the most surprising thing for me this season. And the, the biggest bright spot, maybe not of just the defense, but the entire team. Yeah, it's really just flipped on its head, kind of kind of like that. It, it, it is incredible. They're winning turnover battles consistently. It is giving them chances to win ball games. The defense is – you. It, people would probably look at you like you're crazy at the beginning of the year if you said, yeah, it's the defense that's giving Maryland an opportunity to win game after game after game. And that's what it's done, turning over the ball, coming up with timely spots. You mentioned all those young players. Also like to mention, you know, Bo Braid there too, who's – really just emerged as, as as kind of a star in, in that in that secondary hard hitter forced to fumble again on on uh on Saturday broke up a screen pass I mean this guy is him and Dante Trader that duo alongside those experienced corners have really meshed pretty much as, as well as you can imagine um going into the year Jay Sean Barham the freshman um stepping up as well it, it's just this defense has, has playmakers it feels like that they were lacking in the past guys who can step up and make the play when you need them to. And obviously the adjustments, like you mentioned with Brian Williams, I still find it crazy that, you know, he, yes, he was promoted last year, but going into the year, he wasn't even supposed to be the defensive coordinator. Like they had that stint with Kevin Steele, who's what yep. defensive coordinator for a day and it wasn't officially announced, but he had an office and he ended up spurning the Terps for Miami, I believe. But Brian Williams, he's done about as good of a job as you can imagine. The turnover battles have been so important. And I think there's going to become a moment where it does click and the defense is, you know, generating two turnovers in the second half and the offense is scoring six on every one of those drives that, you know, you reminded me of that Purdue game where it was just three, three straight turnovers, couldn't get any points off them. And, and it was, you know, kind of miserable on the offense's part there, but we'll see. I, I think both sides will become cohesive in that sense where the defense can stay off the field and the offense will, will really make the opposing team's defense tired, keep winning the turnover battle and, and good things will happen. Yeah. You know, this this overall just takeaways from the Indiana game. It was um it was a closer game, I think, than people expected. I believe Maryland was favored by double digits in this one. Um obviously part of that was because Talia, but even before Talia went down, it was it was a pretty close game. Indiana was giving them their best fight and, and these these two teams always always compete and have good games. I believe last year I believe Maryland scored thirty eight against last uh, against Indiana last year, and it was thirty eight to thirty five, if my memory serves correctly. It was a battle, yeah, it was a battle. Yeah, year. like that, that's very similar to thirty eight thirty three, which what it was this year. Um, but, so these team two teams always play competitively, and and you know it's this isn't like some horrible Indiana team. Yes, they're struggling as a program, but last year they didn't win a game in the Big Ten. That's not the story for Indiana this season. Um, but it was a game Maryland should have won, and even if it was a close one, and you know it, it cost them a little bit. They, they got it done. Are there any other takeaways from the Indiana game? Yeah, no, I think we touched on it all for the most part. Uh, Talia status, the the defense coming up clutch with those turnovers. A um, little bit of, of a um, – actually, now still spreading the wealth. I think that's uh, an important thing as well. Copeland with four receptions, Jay Sean Jones with five, Ty Felton with three. Um, I want to talk about Rakeem, Rakeem Jarrett briefly. Um, had that big drop. Uh, against Indiana, only one reception. I think he'll start to get going a little bit. It's also good to see Dante Demas have his, you know, most productive game uh, touchdown-wise of the season, his first touchdown of the year. Um, I think hopefully if, if Talia plays Saturday, if he doesn't, after the bye week, you really start to see, you know, this receiving group go all out and you see multiple of these guys start once, which we haven't seen necessarily yet and we've talked about it continuously don't need to get about get into it too much um, but you'd like to see just a, a complete game from the receivers on, on that yeah side. I mean Joshon Jones had a good game he had five receptions 41 yep. yards Jacob Copeland four receptions for 62 yards 
Um, you know, like like we've talked about all year, they, Talia has done a really good job of getting his tight end tight ends involved, and he's relied on them a whole lot. CJ Dupree, um, he had two receptions for thirty five yards, but he had one of those touchdowns in there. Um, Corey Corey Deitches had three receptions for twenty four yards, and you know Dante had the one reception which was a touchdown, but he didn't he didn't catch the ball. Other than that, he you know he said it's you know it's really hard to know just from looking at him and watching him if he is a hundred percent. A couple weeks ago, Loxley said he's probably not a hundred percent, but he's getting there. The other day, Dante said that he he is a hundred percent. He's he's right there. Um, you know, like it's 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 hard to really know, but I think I I agree with you that after this bye week, this receiving core can kind of fresh, can kind of refresh. Especially Dante Demas, maybe have an extended time period off, which he hasn't had all season since it started because he's played in every single game. Um, and maybe maybe the receiving core can get going the way people expected it to before the season. Yeah, we will see. It's not again. We I I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but. The receiving core hasn't been bad. It has helped the team, but it hasn't been that elite receiving core that we expected. Partially in part to, you know, Corey Dyche just turning kind of into a star as a receiving tight end and, and that hybrid type of guy. But I, again, I, I still believe that we'll see a complete game at some point where, you know, Rakim, Copeland, Jay Sean, um, and Dante, two of those guys maybe have have six receptions each. Um, but we'll see. Hasn't hurt the team, but it, ha- it has been something to keep track of, of course just because of the the overwhelming preseason narrative that was there. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right, so let's get into the Northwestern game. Um we'll we'll talk about Maryland Northwestern which Maryland has um Maryland plays Northwestern at home in College Park this Saturday at 3:30 p.m. Uh, Maryland's favored by 13 and a half according to DraftKings and the over/under is at 51. Part of that it's a really low number, the lowest Maryland's had all year. Part of that has to be because of the uncertain status of Talia. Um you know, this is a game, Maryland, with Talia, with Billy Edwards, doesn't matter who's behind center, Maryland absolutely should win. And look, if Maryland wins this game, they move to 6-2, and two, and they become bowl eligible. Um, you can say it's how the schedule lines up. Maybe it's based off, um, it'll depend on the record by the end of the year. But the fact that last year they weren't bowl eligible to the last game of the season at the very end of November, and now they're going to be, or they could be bowl eligible before November even comes around before this last week, even in October before their bye week, that is incredibly impressive and, and does signal kind of a jump um, in, in, in terms of last year's team to this year and how much more talented and, and experienced uh, they are just this Northwestern team. They're, they're really bad. I mean, they like to run the ball a lot, but they're not really, really effective at it. They're one of the worst teams in the big 10 running the ball. They have one of the worst. I think you said the third worst defense in the big 10. They don't have a lot of strengths. They're probably one of the worst teams in the big 10, if not the worst, they did beat Nebraska week one. They beat Nebraska week one um, in Ireland, I believe it was actually week zero. Yep. Excuse me. Yeah, it was week zero. That was the start of Nebraska's debacle before they skyred that they fired Scott Frost and, and Northwestern hasn't won a game since, um, since they lost to the, or since they beat Nebraska week zero, they have not won a game since they've, they're, They've lost five straight, I believe. Yeah, five straight. They lost all their non-conference games. They're coming off a bye last week. But this Northwestern team and Pat Fitzgerald's program is not in a good spot right now, and they've really been struggling. Yeah, I wanted to touch on your first point quickly about bowl eligibility. Yes, it could have happened last week if they didn't let that Purdue game slip away, but it is a huge deal if if you win this game and you 
reach bowl eligibility before Halloween and, and the turn to November would be a huge step in the right direction for this program. And then the realistic goal after that has to be to go at least, you know, not at least, but to go two and two um, in November, given what you've seen from Wisconsin and, and Rutgers, you think Wisconsin on the road's a winnable game, but we reset expectations last week. Let's talk about Northwestern. Yeah. Five straight. Oh, and three in the non-conference. They battled Duke, but they, they also lost to Southern Illinois, who I do not believe, is an FBS team and Miami of Ohio, who is a Mac team, but not a very good one. This is not a, a good Northwestern team by any stretch of the imagination. And you start to wonder maybe Pat Fitzgerald, who has gotten Northwestern to the big 10 title game, I think maybe two or three times in the last few years, it's kind, he's kind of had this weird sequence of flip-flopping between last in the conference or last in the big 10 West and then winning the big 10 West. And, you know, maybe spiraling out of control here. Who knows? I believe he is a good coach, but I just don't think this team is that talented by any means. Yes, the third worst defense in the Big Ten, like I said, and the second worst offense. Only 14 touchdowns in six games this year. And and they've had... and Ryan, Ryan Holinsky is still back back as the quarterback for them, yeah. and he's had some very productive years and productive games for them. So it's a little surprising from that from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, absolutely surprising. You look at okay, maybe not Ohio State because they're an offensive juggernaut, but even Maryland has played only one more game than Northwestern, and it has seventeen more touchdowns than the Wildcats. So this team has had just a really difficult time on the offensive end of the ball, as you mentioned. Ryan Holinsky, a veteran guy. Expected better from him this year. You know, it's it's just been disappointing as as a whole with this Northwestern team. Um, you know, he's played in six of those games and they, they've had a, you know, they're two backup guys. One has thrown 17 attempts, one has thrown two. So, and Holinsky's thrown 244. So there's not really any excuses on that front either. Um, just just not a good team at all. Um, and we will see. They do have a solid offensive line, as, as Locks mentioned yesterday. But I, I don't think anything they do particularly particularly well, excuse me, will you know make a difference in this one. Yeah, and I think the expectation is that Maryland's defense, whether Billy Edwards is back there, who I guess we expect to at this point, or um, Talia, doesn't matter who's back there. I think Maryland's defense is going to have to carry this game, and I think they will because of how atrocious Northwestern's offense is. They should be able to turn them over. They should really limit them. Um, and give their offense good field position because that's going to be a big thing, right? Like so we've seen Talia go 85, 90 yard drives in 15, 14 plays. And, and Maryland's had success doing that this year at certain points. But when, if you have Billy Edwards back there, that's going to be a little more difficult and it's going to be really important to have great field position either at the 50 or your, your own 40 or, or around there. And if, if your defense is strong and getting a lot of three and outs, getting stops, you're going to be able to have that type of field position. And I think that's going to be the key. If Maryland's defense can just get stops, which I fully expect them to, put their offense in good position, assuming Billy Edwards is back there, I don't, I don't, Billy Edwards or not, I don't see any problem that Maryland's going to have any problem with his Northwestern team. And I think it'll be a double digit, double digit game at least. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the spread is, we'll get into predictions in a little bit, but I think the spread at 13 and a half right now is pretty accurate. Of Regardless of who's at QB, I agree with your point about the defense could be another statement game for them. Um, I think based off the way you're playing, maybe the goal is, is three turnovers here, at least two. You just like you got to win the turnover battle again. Um, this team should have no business competing with the Terps in the second half. And like we said a, a couple podcasts ago, 
if Maryland wants to prove that, you know, they're different this year and this is a good team, you got to really take care of, of the very bad teams. And that's kind of what I expect them to do. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no excuse you take care of, but there's no excuse to lose this game at all. No, no matter who's all. back at quarterback, um, it's a home game. It's homecoming. A lot of alumni will be in the, will be in the building, um, former players, former students, all that good stuff. You don't know. You don't know exactly what the type of atmosphere crowd is going to be if Talia's not playing. You know, after the Purdue game where there was a good crowd and they were kind of let down, but with homecoming, you kind of expect it to be some, you know, pretty full at least. Um, so that should play into their advantage, Maryland's advantage as well. I just, I, I don't see like this game being close at all. And if it is, it, it would certainly be surprising. Uh, should we go into predictions? Yeah, let's get right into it. All right, you can go first. All right, so here are the odds presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Maryland minus 13.5, like I mentioned, over under 51, uh, which is low, like Sam mentioned, could be because of Tugavaloa uh, or just the Northwestern style of play. Who knows there? Um, and then Maryland's minus 540 on the money line, and Northwestern is plus 420. I'm going to go Terps in a fairly big win, I think by three touchdowns. I think Maryland wins 31 to 10. Um, I don't think it's going to be some crazy shootout or anything between the two teams. I kind of actually kind of like the under, despite it being low, kind of leads me in, in, in that direction that it's low for a reason. Um, let's say Talia or Billy plays. I don't think it makes a difference in this game, regardless uh, outcome wise. Uh, like I mentioned before, I think there is an exciting aspect of Billy playing. If he does play, uh, you figure out whether you know, he's the QB of the future or not. You obviously won't find out in one game, but maybe see some flashes, give you some hope uh, for the post-Talia era if he is that guy. Um, I think the defense, like you mentioned, is another key. And, uh, yeah, I think I think just those two things. Billy, defense, got to win the turnover battle again. And then I'd like to see the the offensive line really dictate the uh, the tempo and, and, and the, uh, the the momentum in this game as well. And the other big thing that is just come out of this game healthy, um, you know, you, nothing, nothing serious, catastrophic injuries. You have the bye week coming out. Um, you know, hopefully you're six and two after the bye week. You're already bowl eligible, and you you have a very tough slate, which could be you, you might not be favored for another three games until you have Rutgers that last game of the year. But then you have Wisconsin, you have Penn State, and you have Ohio State. Three very tough games, especially because Wisconsin and Penn State are both on the road. Um, uh, yeah, like you just got to come out of this game healthy. That that'll be really important. No serious injuries. Who knows if Jacorian Bennett will be will be ready to go or Ruben Hippolyte will be ready to go on the defense side of the ball. Obviously, we will keep everyone updated on, on Talia. You can follow follow to Student Times and us on Twitter for uh, the second Talia is playing, we'll let you know or not playing, we'll let you know. Uh, my prediction. What'd you say again? What was yours? Thirty-one ten Maryland. Thirty-one ten. Yeah, mine's pretty close. I have twenty-eight to thirteen Maryland. Um, I, you know, I think the defense just dominates. I don't, I think the offense does its job with, I'm assuming Billy Edwards is going to be the quarterback right now. I, I think Maryland's offense does its job with Billy Edwards under center, but I don't think it's anything special, but I do think the defense dominates and I think they give the offense good field position and yeah, 28 to 13. So I, I have the under as well hitting. Yeah. Not necessarily a, a riveting game. Either of us are expecting it's not a riveting matchup. Either. Um, so we, we will see here. Um, Northwestern, like we said, a bad team, very well coached. I think despite the, the poor record um, this year and last, Pat Fitzgerald has obviously had his winning there. I think his time, you know, 
not might may, maybe not coming to an end because you know he did graduate from Northwestern, but we will see a, a good coach who's in a, a bad situation right now. Yeah, I mean, Maryland's got a little lucky with their schedule, especially when you look at it before the season. Um, Northwestern wasn't supposed to be good, but the fact that they're having a really really tough year. Obviously, they caught Michigan State when Michigan State was really struggling. Um, they're going to be playing a Wisconsin team that is having a much worse year than expected. Uh, you know, the way Maryland's schedule is playing out, they're going to get much luckier than expected. Um, and we'll see how many wins they end up with. But they're going for number six against Northwestern this weekend. Yeah, and, and a win. Uh, credit the uh, the game notes here, uh, Dustin and Ben. Uh, if Maryland wins, they will reach bowl eligibility at the earliest date since October 11th, 2001. And they will be 6-2 and two for the first time since 2010. And Maryland's also never beaten Northwestern in program history, so there's that for you as well. Wow, yeah. So so kind of a lot of stake, at least from a historical perspective, which we always love to talk about. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that, that's it. That's the preview. We'll talk to you next week, a full recap of Northwestern. Obviously, there'll be no game to discuss next week, but we'll be doing a full basketball podcast next week. As of yesterday, Tuesday, October 18th, today's the 19th, but as of October 18th, they're three, we're three weeks away from college basketball maryland's maryland's college basketball season november 7th is that first date we're gonna have media day talking to all the players talking to kevin willard um tomorrow so next week we'll do a full uh maryland basketball breakdown preview all that good stuff as long as getting as getting into the uh the northwestern game that maryland will have just maryland football will have just played so we're looking forward to that yeah, I'm definitely excited for media day, excited to not only, you know, talk to Willard tomorrow, but hopefully get an opportunity to talk to some of that staff as well. Cox and, and Bill Meyer, um, you know, the, these are guys who are very important, you know, highly applauded assistant coaches as well. Uh, it seems like Willard has, has built a great staff and excited, you know, for us to get that that first taste of what the team's going to look like tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.